ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. And uh, happy to have you guys with me this morning. We've got Gus Kangel waiting in the wings. We're going to chat with our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Uh, I think Bobby Navas is going to be in here for a little bit later to hit on a few things. Um, and, you know, we got Sean Fox, a friend of Gus's, making his first appearance on the show in the 8 o'clock hour to talk a little UL versus ULM, among other things. So give me all you got. Let's go. Welcome in. Happy Friday. Gus, good morning. Appreciate you joining us live Early on a Friday morning, I know you have a lot going on, my friend, but uh, you know what? It's Friday, and it's football season, and uh, that's a combination I think you and I can always agree on. 100%, man, especially when you wake up in the morning, put the TV on, get us going, and see from the local news, man, and it's, I get it. It's never one of those things you want to wish it on people, man, but um, I think people are waking up going to feel a little bit better about that possible storm in the Gulf next week. I can tell you the people are freaking out around here. <laughs> and I get it, dude. There's still a lot of people recovering from storms the last two years. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things, man. Just now, now I can look forward to next week, Scott, because when I went to bed last night, all the meteorologists were telling me we're finally going to feel like fall next year. It's a couple more days of 99 and 100 degrees. Um, we'll actually get like a legit cold front, man, this time next week. So that's a good thing. And then listening to how much, like, lung capacity you got, that, that was a very long good morning that, that you went with today. That was, that was a good one today. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's Friday, man. We got, you oh, know. I know why. I know why. Your Mets clinched this week, didn't they? Well, they just didn't clinched, they clinched the, the they, they, they clinched a playoff yeah. spot, not the division. Well, well you know who didn't? The Chicago Cubs. You know the Mets. The Mets before they went on a seven-game winning streak got swept by the Cubs. I mean, I was thinking well. about you. I was. I was not happy. I mean, the Braves are right there, and it's yeah. like, well, the Bets have an easier remaining schedule, so they sh- they should be okay, right? And then they Can got I swept by the Cubs, and I got. I, mean, I know you go to. Yeah, I just. I was just sorry. I, I know you go to bed early and all that stuff. I just want to. Were you watching at all? The at bats yesterday, it, it was so awesome. Like I'm talking about Aaron Judge and the Yankees. So, like, dude, wait. It's funny you say that. Can we just okay. can we start off on a humorous note about that? Sure. What the cameraman for Fox? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, Judge's Judge's hit wasn't even close to going out, and he filmed that thing like yeah. it, it was going to just be hit out of the solar system. 
It was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is, <laughs> what is he? Like, I get a crowd, get because look, when you're a live crowd yeah. at something like that, every hit yeah. you're going to be like on your feet, like, oh, is this it? Every hit. But every like, hit. I guess I yeah. never thought about it, Gus. I'm like, man, for some of those really big moments in sports, I always yeah. think about the announcer. And what are they going to oh. say? Or are they going to say too much, not enough? To, I never think about the cameraman. And that dude, whoever it was, or gal, I was like, oh, my God. Thank God it, it actually wasn't out because that was, some, that, was, that was hilarious. That's actually really interesting you say that. Yeah, I mean, but what was so interesting to me was I, I've been following it. I, you know, I, every night go to Twitter, pull up the Yankees account, see if he hit one or not. Um, I've been talking about it on our show, Scott. We've touched on it before, man. The, the love that this era, I think, has for baseball. We all know the love for college baseball. Well, that doesn't get like that unless you've got kids playing high school or, or younger in travel ball. So it is unique how much baseball there actually is around here. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's history, you know? I mean, like when, when you see somebody having the type of season that he is, triple crown leading, likable guy i mean just pretty much it, it kind of just brought me back maybe also nostalgia wise god to what it was like to watch sosa mcguire go at it you know we all kind of saw how big they were and all that stuff but they were at least likable you know I mean, we saw bonds chase at 73 unlikable so i mean it was just kind of like i remember though obviously somewhat invested being a cub fan and i remember going to the astrodome and watching the Cubs in Houston play and he's watching number 48, you know, get hit and getting there for BP and just the buzz is what I'm trying to get at. Scott, every time Sosa, I remember being in person at his at-bats for that game and, you know, just it's the second he stepped up. I mean, it's you stand up, you get the camera out, like you just, you're waiting. And, and watching that last night, I mean, Fox picked up a game nationally on a Thursday you know, to, to televise that, to try to be a part of history. And, and every at-bat, man, just you could hear the buzz. Every pitch that was a ball, Scott, the crowd started to boo. I mean, he took – what's remarkable is this, too. He was walked three times last night. You know, like, you would think you're, you're on the precipice of history here. You get one, get it out of the field, get it out of the way, continue in the seat. And he, he – he walked three times. Like you would think you're up there just hacking. And that's just, it hasn't been him. I, I just, I remember sitting there because one of his at bats, you know, it, it's time to put Carver down. And Carver and my mom are, you know, sitting there. And I mean, uh, and, and Anna, like, all right, go tell him good night. And I'm just sitting there watching the television. And, um, and I'm sitting there watching the TV. And you know, I I could I could leave him. Like, hold on, hold on, okay, give me give me another another pick, another pick. It's pretty cool. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, for those that aren't following MLB and are not completely up to date with what Gus and I are discussing, Aaron Judge is at sixty home runs, and um, he. You know, 62 is not the record, right? We know McGuire passed, so we know Sosa passed, so we know Bond smashed both of them. Um, the, quote, steroid era, as if there's no cheating going on anymore for some reason or weren't any before, 
I say sarcastically. Um, but, you know, some some are viewing this as, well, this is kind of like a record-breaking, assuming Judge is clean. But let me let me ask you this, Gus, because I, I have trouble, you know, caring a, 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 as much. Of, I certainly don't care about it the way I did, you know, in 98 uh, or even when Bonds did it in the early 2000s. Um, but let's say that this was not Aaron Judge. Heck, let, let's say it was Mike Trout. You know, who many think is the best player. If this was an L.A. Angels team and Mike Trout doing it, is this is this getting, you know, looked at or celebrated as if it's somehow the record, even though it's not, but some believe it kind of is? Like, how much of how much of this is just Yankee, if you know what I mean? Like, the coverage and, and everything right. surrounding it. I think there's something to that, Scott, but clearly your hatred for them because you're a Mets fan is completely coming out. The guy is the triple crown leader right now. He's having an unbelievable Let's season. Let's go, Mets. So Come see. on, baby. Let's no, go, exactly. Mets. That's exactly. There we go. You see, you should have started that. Look, I'll, I'll admit this, though, that. Gus. If it was a player on the Mets, it would probably be getting a ton yeah. of coverage, too, because of the market. Like, obviously, the Yankees oh, look, are, I, are the Yankees, but, like, you know, L- L.A. is a huge market. If it was a Dodger, ton yeah. of it. Angels, Dude. you know, Mariners, I, Marlins, you know take your pick. Rockies, if it's a, yeah, if it was the Rockies, so. they'd be like, oh, well, it's the stadium the guy plays in. They would, they'd be downplaying yeah, it because no, it's the I, Yankees. I, They're I, look, acting I like think, it's the best thing ever. And it's cool. Don't get me wrong. You, oh, my gosh. Jeez. I mean, come on, Scott. <laughs> 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 He's having a ridiculous. I mean, 61 years. You know what? It's, it's funny how you say that, too, is because I, you know, something I was going to say on the show today, watching those at-bats yesterday, you realize how hard it is. Like, and that's what I've even said about the steroid era with those guys. You still have to connect on the baseball. You know, now look, can you check swing one? you know, 400 yards and, I mean, 400 feet, and can you recover and be healthy and all that? Sure. It's like he's played every day this week. You know, you've seen him do all those different things and and those that bats. And, yeah, I mean, that you know, when you're on stuff, it helps you feel fresh that next day and all that. But, man, you're watching every at-bat, every pitch. People are expecting you to hit a home run. Not a hit, not a single Hit it out of the park, and it's really hard to do. And you know that that's the thing that that's why I think it is special. Absolutely, I think market does help to maybe I would say some of the part of the season. At this point, though, man, there's so few people that have gotten to that number that I do think no matter where it would be, it would help. And it's unique though because I do think also, Scott, to your point and your guys. I think New York is a baseball town. You know, like people do celebrate their baseball teams there when they have success. They become folklore, right? Whether it's when the Mets last won the World Series. I mean, a Yankee captain is essentially viewed higher upon than any elected official over there. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, you know, the King Kong memorabilia at the Empire State Building and who's been a Yankee captain. I mean, it's like people know who they are. So, yes, the story you know, franchise and, and everything like that absolutely does add to it. And I think part of that is because of the names that are on there. Some of the biggest names in baseball, you know, happen to um, happen to be a Yankee. So when you have a Yankee making the run like he's making, I do think it gets a little bit extra coverage. But, you know, it's crazy. You know, Otani 
has had an unbelievable season oh, yeah. with the Angels. And, you know, many still are arguing that he's the MVP. He's been incredible. And you mentioned Trout, and guess what they're doing again this year? Yeah, they're 20 Watching games the playoffs, below 500. Which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, every every it's night incredible. it's Otani and Trout make history while the Angels lose by yeah. four runs. Every night. Yeah. I mean. yeah. So, yeah, you look, I, I do think it adds to it, man, but it's just it's just something to watch. And I know people, like, get to the Saints and Pelicans or whatever, but I just, dude, I, it, it just, it, it's magical to see something like that. But to me, it's more of the theater of every pitch, dude. Every pitch. You like have the crowd uh, booing. Uh, I mean, Gus, do you, you have know, Apple TV? And then in the ninth inning, I do. And then in the ninth inning, you know, it gets up. And everyone on Twitter is like, okay, here comes the walk-off. He's going to hit it on the walk-off. And, dude, he hits it to dead center. And you talked about the cameraman. And he caught it at the track. I mean, he did catch it in front of him. But for a second, you know, it was like, everyone was like, ah. That cameraman, he, he, he was, he was trying to shoot that thing like he knocked it out of the stadium. It was hilarious. <laughs> Um, You're watching tonight, aren't you? I'm absolutely watching every every event. I Apple know. TV, yeah, by the is. way, which would also be funny if that's where the record happens, where lots of people can't see it, and it's a different announcer. But um, Gus will be watching, uh, and you know what? Um, I'll be watching the Mets. Let's go Mets, baby! Come on, let's go Mets! Uh, um, all right, we got we got a lot to get into. Great stuff. Great start to the show. Gus Gail, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Saints on the on the level of concern. Ten being red hot, one being no big deal. Where is Gus at after two weeks going into this important week three? And Pelicans media day is Monday. I will not be there. We yeah. will have representative Lynn will be there, but. You know what? Um, you know, I, I think more people are talking about uh, Zion's body than you know. Kids of our generation talked about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue back in the nineties, guys. I mean, everybody's talking about Zion's body right now. We got to get into it. Don't go anywhere. So, give me all you got, Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. On the Great Scott Show, we're right back right after this. athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Sean Fox in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk UL versus ULM. They play tomorrow night. LSU taking on New Mexico. Deshaun Booty will not play. Brian Kelly understandably says, nope, you need to go be with your girlfriend as she is uh, scheduled to give birth to uh, their first child. Congrats to them on that. 
New Iberian native and the LSU Tiger. Gus Cattengill on hold with us. Uh, he is in NOLA, bringing him back on line one as we talk a little Saints and Pelicans. Look, I want to get in a, a lot a, a lot of Saints stuff with you. So um, let's just quickly hit on the Pels as their media day is this Monday. And, I mean, uh, Gus, when it comes to Zion Williamson, we've seen various pictures of him when he's big in terms of a little too much fat and we've seen pictures of him where he's just like shredded and every time it seems like there's overreaction one way or the other and then we analyze it and then we come back down to earth and sometimes you know a picture can be deceiving i i, I just look you you know people uh you, you work at the flagship for the pels currently i mean you know people that you yourself cover this team you have insight you have sources I'm just telling you, this this time, it's not just, oh, did you see that picture? It, it really does, from everything by all accounts, Zion truly is in the best shape of his life. As cliche as that thing gets thrown around every training camp and every sport, I think this is the year where it's actually true, and I think that's going to be one of the big things talked about at Media Day Monday is how good of a shape he's in. It's the first thing people are going to do when they walk in, right? Um it's literally going to be the first thing they do when, when they walk in. How, how does he look? What does he look like? What, you know, what, what shape is he in? I mean, it's literally the first thing they're going to do. And this is even before they, you know, report on anything. It's just just you, you yourself. When you walk in and, you know, you see him taking pictures or whatever, and you're going to be like, all right, well, what does he look like? But, you know, I, I'll say this, <clears throat> whether it's him or with the team, when I speak with people, he has been working on which shape or form and doing things. And, Scott, I, I think, look, the, the rep you get is the rep you have because of, of however you got it, right? I mean, I, in other words, I mean, the, the reason people think you're eating a pizza a minute is because you, you put on weight. The reason why people – think that you don't want to play here or serious, you're going to have a problem because you've been hurt and you've done all those different things. You won't return calls. You go away and do all those things. We've gone over those, whether or not there were reasons, there were not maturity, what have you. You know, we, we I, I, it's almost like two different Zions in terms of uh, how you want to hope that it's going to be because there's pre-C.J. McCollum Zion and post-C.J. McCollum Zion. Like, that's how I, I have to look at it, right? And, you know, all I know is that since C.J.'s come in here, they've had that chat, the old, you know, tear you down in front of a, a national audience on NBA All-Star Weekend, then get your back four days later. And then from that point on, the team had the run and, you know, there you go to May 1st. And, and to me, May 1st is going to be a day that I will always, I think, link back to in, in a timeline of whatever happens in his career. And that was the day after the Pels got eliminated, the postseason, you know, presser with uh, the staff and all the players. And that's the first time you hear him say, I want to be here. That's the one that's the day where he says, I can't sign that contract fast enough, you know, that he wants to sign the extension. That's the one where he says, I've spoke with uh, Willie Green, and he knows that, you know, I'm like, tell me how you want me to set up the workouts. Do you want me to help with the workout? I mean, things that fans have wanted to hear, things that fans were waiting to hear, they finally heard. 
And, and I think that's why I go back to May 1st. Since May 1st, he has worked out with some members of the team. He has met up with them. You have seen that. The entire team basically hasn't stopped working out together. Um, and, you know, it, there's that, 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 res, that reservation to it because, you know, most of the team, Scott, I can tell you the last two, three weeks, they, they've been getting at it in the facility. It ain't like, you know, we're going to play horse and stuff. It, scrimmages, elbows in people's faces. I mean, I'm getting texts, you know, and some people are like, what, what is going on here? They're getting at it like a playoff game. And Zion, you know, at times is there and isn't, but it's like Alvin Kamara, you know, with with the Saints. And and but that's what I'm saying. At first, you're like, he's not there on that day on that practice of voluntary workouts. And you're like, oh no. And then you see a photo of him in the pool, you know. <laughs> you see him in you know in Miami, and and that you know he he has somebody that he's working out with and has been working out with. And he's been in Miami most of the offseason when he's not here in New Orleans. So, look, I'm at the point where whatever it is you need to do to get your mind right, whatever it is you need to do to get your body right, get it right. Because the reason he's in the best shape of his life and what you've been saying, Scott, is because it's literally the first offseason he hasn't been hurt. I mean, he was, you know, injured when he first came into the league. Um, uh, you know, he had his body wasn't where he needed to be in the off season because of whatever the, you know, the, the circuit, like they called it and going around and doing all those other things. But, you know, and let's be honest because of himself too. I mean, you can't like, um, um, you know, like, like they were saying on draft night, like Kendrick Perkins was saying, you can't go have a pizza. You know, he was ordering two pizzas on you know, the draft combine. So, Again, to me, I look at it as pre-McCollum and post-McCollum. As crazy as that sounds, because I, I, I literally think it's two different players right now, two different focuses. And you know what? At the end of the day, if you are a competitor and you want to play, it, it's got to affect you. It's got to bother you. And, and I do think from everybody that I've talked to, it, he does have that chip. You know, some of us, I know, I know when I've said that before, they're like, well, he should have a chip. Like, I, well, I get it, dude, but... You know, it's sort of like the conversations we have with Winston. You know, are we going to harp left and right on this or that? Or, or are we going to realize, okay, things are different and, and you moved on? And I know this past weekend's game is not going to help that conversation. But, you know, you can at least now say he's not the Jameis Winston stealing crab legs and, you know, getting in trouble, right? So, I mean, that, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, hopefully – as you and I do, people grow, people change, people make better decisions. Unless they're so Brett Favre, they just keep making really bad decisions, which I've been telling people well, for years. That's, but... that's a whole nother, you know. <laughs> I've been saying I mean, it for years. Um, last thing on Zion. Um, I mean, I think it's worth noting, Gus. I mean, he got a personal chef. And that's, that's I mean, for a player like that, that's big. I mean, I remember, you know, Emeka Okafor was was a great player in college, number two overall pick, never never an all-star or anything like that. But, you know, he spent some time with the New Orleans Hornets, and you know, when, I, when he got to New Orleans, he was eating just everything that New Orleans had to offer. I mean, the, the po' boy, all of it, he talked about it, and he was like, you know, he was still young, smart guy, but like hadn't really – taking care of his body much. And they were like, man, he's always, he's always falling asleep. He's tired all the time. And then he got a personal chef. And I remember him saying it, it, it made all the difference in the world. Like it changed so much of 
his energy, his body. And, and Mecca was never, you know, overweight per se. But, you know, my point is when when you're a guy that needs to invest in your body because it's worth literally millions of dollars and you're a professional athlete, in the case of Zion, hundreds of millions when you factor in not just a rookie contract but all the endorsements, that is an absolutely uh, worthy and important investment. And I think it's I think it's probably been part of it. We could talk about the training and all that. I mean, he's always been a freak athlete. He's always been able to play ball. He's always been able to lift a lot of weight. He's always been able to train that personal chef side of it. I think that's a big difference maker. Segwaying into the Saints, you mentioned Jameis. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is about Jameis. Everyone is so extreme about him. It's either – I find myself – you know, Gus, whenever people are calling him the worst quarterback ever, uh, I defend him. And then they're like, oh, you're just a Jameis stand. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just pointing out that he's not the worst quarterback ever, you know, whenever he's. And then whenever I, I, I criticize him, I have these Jameis stands that like have every every single excuse ever as to why I'm way wrong and he's the best ever. And I'm like, man, what? Like it, 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 it Reggie Bush, different player. I get it. But he was so polarizing when he was with the Saints and either everyone's underappreciated him or he's totally overrated and, and all this other stuff. With Jameis, it's different. I get it. He's the quarterback and, and all that other stuff. But it's um, there, there's I feel like there's a lot of extremes with Jameis. I just want to objectively look at it. You know, he's hurt. He is not. He's played one good quarter. He's played seven bad quarters. Uh, I think this is an important game for him this week. And uh, I, I want to see more consistency out of him. Um, and, you know, if you get a, you know, farther into the season and, and he's more healthy and it's still not there, you know, I, I, the Saints, they, they tried to trade for us, Wilson. They, they tried to get Sean Watson, which I'm still glad they didn't. But point is, you know, they've, they've kind of told you how they felt about Jameis going into it. I want Jameis to succeed because it's good for the Saints, obviously, but before we get into your level of concern for the Saints, whether it's a lot or a little as a whole, where are you at with number two under center for the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where you look at and then, you know, you're watching the game live and you know the reports that happened beforehand. So, you know, I would say, like I think many people, Scott, on Sunday and Sunday afternoon and evening, you're – you're probably more angry at the staff or even him of what, why are you playing if your back's that hurt, right? Because clearly the back had to be something that affected the overthrows, um, you know, and, and maybe can't get the torque around. I don't know. You know, there's there's instances in that game where, you know, I'm listening to Deuce McAllister and he's, you know, sitting there like, man, that was a first down on a couple of scrambles. And, you know, he, he just didn't, he didn't take off and run. He just didn't do it. So, you know, you're thinking, well, it's clearly his back. And then you hear after the game, Scott, though, and, I mean, dude, Dennis Allen, you know, does not blame his back. So you're like, well, he hadn't seen the tape yet. And then Monday, he, I've been saying on the show this week, it's almost like he doubled down, right? I mean, it's almost like he sat there and said, look, um, when he was asked about the protection, he's like, yeah. telling me during the game, I thought it was good. And after the tape, I feel the same way. It's not better. Right, and right. The old line played great. Well, he was sacked six times. Right. You're right. What, so what does that right. tell you? <laughs> right. And then, and then you, you know, he, he's asked about the, the decisions and, and stuff. He's like, look, there were players there. And, 
you know, I, I feel like last week he was defending him. And by the way, that is a spot on observation when it comes to him and then the analogy to Reggie Bush. It really does feel like an extreme. Either he sucks or he's great. I mean, there's no, there's no between. Every quarterback during the week, I'm playing sound clips that you get as well in the ESP at Audio Vault. And every quarterback is like, this week we got to get better. We got to fix this. We got. Jameis ain't allowed that. It's either you better throw six touchdowns or if you throw six picks, you're terrible. But I mean, you know what? Really it, it's almost you're like right. as annoying as it is because I just want to, you know, objectively critique him it's it's almost apropos for the kind of player he is because like i i think of Jameis likes you know uh, he's he can be somewhere in the middle of the pack of starting quarterbacks if he doesn't make a bunch of mistakes but like let, let's say you're you're trying to average out why he's you know somewhere between 16 or 20 of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. why is he there well it's not because he's just a game manager that's consistently right in the middle you know, like, like looking at his career, man, one week it's like, holy cow. I mean, he was, he was like one of the five best players in the league this week. And then the next week it's like, oh my God, what, what, a, what a disaster. And then, you know, you look at the beginning of last season and what he did and it's like, okay, you know, he, he protected the ball. He left some throws out there, whatever. The point is like you come to the average of maybe where he is and it's, 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 it's usually because it's like kind of one extreme to one side or the other. So I guess, you know, as I'm thinking out loud here, it does kind of make sense that maybe that's why everyone is, is kind of so extreme about him and, and, and he's somewhat polarizing. But, you know, I go back to this being a, a year, a, a prove-it year for him because the Saints told us. They didn't say it out loud. They told us how they felt about him as the starter whenever they went out and tried to get someone else. And... You look at the other side and the opponent they're playing this Sunday. I've never been a Baker Mayfield guy since he's been in the pros. And, you know, I talked to Jake DeLome about this last week. And Jake's, you know, the color analyst for the Panthers. And and he wasn't going as far as I was on Baker. But, you know, Carolina's lost nine games in a row. I think they're maybe the worst team in the rule in the, in, in the league. I mean, Matt Rule's very much on a hot seat. On paper, Gus, this is a game the Saints need to win. This is a game the Saints should win. But look at their two quarterbacks, polarizing guys that have oh like fervent defenders that like no matter what they are, it's never their fault. Um, you know, uh, one, you know, seemingly says the right things a lot. The other one never, you know, but but it's kind of funny. The other one, you know, is always mad. Someone's always out to get them. Uh, but but both of them have teammates that, that seem to like them. I don't know. It feels like I know it's just week three. But, man, it's a big game for these two teams, obviously. The Saints, they can't lose to Carolina. But it also feels like a really big game for these two quarterbacks, doesn't it? Like, in the grand scheme of their careers, am I putting too much into it? Not at all. Um, It's funny, yesterday's show, I started by saying, um, because I'd cut Matt Rule's Wednesday presser. and I mean, Scott, two-thirds of it for those that didn't listen to it or haven't listened to it two-thirds of it was on how his team's not executing. And I look, yesterday was an absolute clinic on how to literally talk about your exit strategy in plain sight. Like, you've heard that phrase, hiding in plain sight. Um, right. Matt Rule spoke about how he's going to be fired or is quitting in plain sight. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. 
That dude, at least four times in the first five minutes, when asked about his offense or Baker's play, would say something, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know exactly, but he was asked specifically about Baker's play. He goes, well, Baker, like many of us, have had some good moments and others where, you know, we need to do better. And then he goes into reasons and and things that aren't. And But the reasons and the things that aren't are we have a receiver running a 12-yard route when it needs to be 20. Um, we have guys diving for first downs and not touchdowns. We have guys lining up improperly. We have guys going left with the need to go right. And I'm sitting here going, aren't you the offensive guy? Like, aren't you the head coach? I mean, he literally, on Wednesday, threw every single offensive player under the bus. Like, I'm listening and going, well, wouldn't you stop? I mean, you're going into week three, and you're telling me somebody has an eight-yard difference on a route? Like, you know, kids have been playing high school football, college football. The route tree is the route tree. The difference between different teams or levels of football is speed and, and, you know, what the philosophy is. But, Scott, a slant's a slant. An out route's an out route. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tell me how long you wanted to run on this play. If this is, you know, crackling Z20, but, you know, and I'm this receiver, I'm going to go on out at the seven-yard line, so it's a 10-yard out. I mean, that, that's what I need to know. How are we on week three, and you're telling me receivers are that confused? You know what that tells me? Poor coaching. And I thought you were supposed to be the offensive guy. I mean, like, it just gets incredible to listen to him literally throw everyone under the bus. And that's been Matt Rule's tenure since he's been with the Panthers. It was the offensive coordinator's fault in Joe Brady. It's been the quarterback's fault. That's why he's been trying to get basically a new quarterback a month. And now listening to him literally tell me that his receivers are running eight-yard different separation routes. I mean, literally, another one was, well, two receivers are running into the same area. Well, dude, what then what are you exactly doing? Are you just showing up on game day yeah. and calling the play? Like, I, I mean, just, it's I, like it's he should have talked to Nick Saban and Urban Meyer about, yeah. hey, you know, it's it's different in the pros. Trust me. You can't walk around like you're the emperor. Yeah. Um, that's just not how this thing works. And, you know, they've been they've been bad. And yet, well, if they beat yeah, the Saints Sunday, right uh, th- tell me this. Cause, right. So one through ten, ten being the, the highest, one being not at all. Where is your level of concern for, with the Saints? I know they're one and one, but you've had seven bad quarters of offense. Where is your level of concern with the Saints? And how will it change Sunday based on the results? So in other words, where is it now? And then Sunday, if they lose, where does it go? And Sunday, if they win, where does it go? In all honesty, my level of concern is probably less than five. And the only reason I would even put it at a five would probably be because, you know, you can't lose this game. So I'm raising the the level of alertness, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't – look, we all know what's happening in London. Kirk Cousins is going to look like Joe Montana. I mean, you know, the guy looked awful on Monday. It's just certain teams – It's a morning game. Well, yeah, but – how so? I, I wish I it was a noon I, game in London because then it would technically yeah. be night in London where he's just awful right. in prime time. But you know, <laughs> I know. But I'm just telling you, it's it's like when the Pels play the Mavs this season. I just, they just don't match up with them. You know, it's like you just know for some reason different players and coaches. It's just always they don't play the Vikings well. So whatever. 
but you can't come back to New Orleans one and three or one and four. I mean, like you, you can't. Like you have to win this game. I when again, which is why I, I I said what I said this last part of the segment here. When your head coach is literally telling me that their players are eight yards off of the route they're supposed to be running, they're not fixing that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're they're not fixing that. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They may, as the season goes along, they may be able to focus on it, but they're not fixing that level of ineptness. I mean, and if you think I'm coming down hard or I'm overreacting, your listeners need to go to Dan Orlovsky on Twitter. He posted two videos yesterday. Even the Panther reporter said, well, there it is. And he had two-minute and one two-minute video we're literally by formation. The Panthers are telling people it's a run play or a pass play based on where Christian McCaffrey's actually lined up next to Baker Mayfield. If he's even with them hip to hip, it's a pass. If he's a step behind them, it's a run. Like literally that. I mean, and he's like, this isn't just two plays. He went through like 10 plays like that. The, it, he called it coaching now practice. So that team should not beat the Saints. Okay. And the reason why I'm not going nine or 10 is because it was two different games. I do think Dennis Allen isn't just saying coach you speak. Atlanta had all season to come up with the play and, and Mary and the Saints have just struggled against that zone offense and everything. Right. Not, again, not even talk about the offense. You saw it click. He has played seven bad quarters. That's just what it is. But the reason I'm not going above a five Scott is because of the Saints defense. Saints defense didn't lose that game. They did not lose that game Sunday because of the Saints defense. Tom Brady had one drive where he proved to use the GOAT. And the difference between Tom Brady and Jameis Winston last week, and I know people are going to be like, well, there's a ton of them. No. Sunday was, you could see the difference why one's great and one's trying to prove that he belongs to be a starter. Patience. You have to understand the game you win. And the reason I bring that up, Scott, is because on Monday's podcast, Let's Go podcast for Tom Brady, he actually spoke about how emotional he was in that game. And we saw it, Scott. He broke another tablet when he got stopped on fourth and one. He's screaming the F word in slow-mo, going into commercial break. Like, it, you saw him get like that. The melee was that team fed up of not being able to beat this team. It was affecting them. This is a guy that's played in 10 Super Bowls. And you're telling me Sunday he couldn't control his emotions. Comma. If he can't do it, then maybe that's what we saw on Sunday because it wasn't his back. I think Jameis just wanted that game that bad. And I think he just made bad decisions. And he, you consistently hear Dennis Allen this week. He just should have taken Tony Jones Jr. wide open over the middle instead of making a bad throw to Landry. He was open. He just threw it poorly. The pass to Olave, if it's a yard or two above, it's a touchdown. He had the step enough between men still double coverage, though, but it's a shot. You live with it. The Jawan Johnson interception, he's backpedaling, doesn't set his feet, and even still in that one, guess what's wide open over the middle? It's Michael Thomas. And I, I say that because there's a lot of fans this week that kept calling about the play calling, the play calling, the play calling. Like, there was nothing wrong with the play calling in the opening drive. They didn't cash in for a touchdown. He had a lave. He threw the ball into the dirt. If you look at the, the end zone camera, Alave's there. He throws an accurate pass. It's first and goal at the two. And when you look at not only that play but other plays, 
if he is just a average quarterback, I think they win that game. I think he got too caught up in it. Now, you got you got to prove my theory right this week by going out there and playing well. But that's why I'm not concerned because that defense is still the same defense. And I do think that that offense has weapons. If he can just click it, and here's why else I'm not concerned. Because if he doesn't do it this week and next week, Dennis Allen's going to go to Andy Dalton. Because I know that guy can do it. So, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, I'm not that concerned because I don't think the team is a bad team. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And and let's go back to what we were saying after week one. This team, you know, has often gotten off to slow starts and hit their stride later in the season. Now, it's different offensively, and, and yes, all eyes kind of go to the quarterback, and that's where it's going to be this Sunday against Carolina, noon kickoff. Uh, Gus Cattengill has been our guest, as always. Give him a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17. That's G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. Host of the Sports Hangover, noon to three weekdays. Um, in New Orleans on ESPN 100.3. Uh, Gus, I'm sorry I can't. You know, typically I do get to Pelicans Media Day. I, I'm I'm a judge in this uh, UL homecoming paint the town red thing the day after, and I couldn't have two days in a row where, like, I'm not on and I'm out. So that's kind of why I won't be there. But um, you know what? It's better this way. That way, th- This way Todd won't be able to steal your crackling. So. Well, here's the thing, though, man. You could have slept over I have this perfect little spot where I do the show in Carver's Playroom, right next to <laughs> a bag full of Toy Stories. We have uh, a Hot Wheels Ultimate Garage to the right. Like you could be playing in between your segments and have done the show in quick, the morning. Man. Quick, I mean, yeah, quick, I got funny, a spot right here. Quick, funny story, and then I gotta <laughs> let you run. Um, when I had COVID back in 2020, I, uh, you know, I was, I, I was. I didn't do my show like for the first few days. And then I, and then I started doing it like from the room in the house where the kids, the kids playroom as we call it. Right. Um, and I was like sleeping in there and, you know, trying to stay away from them as best I could. And inevitably just, we all got it. But I remember one morning it was after, it was a Monday after a big UL game. And I was doing my weekly one-on-one with Billy Napier. And, uh, and he was, he was making some point and all of a sudden in the background, you could just hear, I'm ready to wipe. <laughs> and, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, what was that? I was like, oh, this is one of the kid things. And then we talked about it later, yeah. like not on the air. And, you know, he's got young kids, mm-hmm. too. He thought it was hilarious. So I'm like, you know, you do yeah. show, you do your show from home. You might get more than you bargained See, for. My, mine's, my, mine's trained to he knows the break. I tell him, you know, 15, 30, 45 and top of the hour. Uh-huh. I, I, I'll pod my mic down. I'm like. Got to wait for the break, and he just sits there and just chills on his tablet. I mean, you know, what I, mean? You <laughs> I mean, all summer he stayed most of the summer with me here, so and I, I'm doing it from here. So um, we we got this down, man. But aside from the fact, quite honestly, he does our he does my opens. He does a rejoinder every now and then. Mm-hmm. He'll put on a, a headset and yeah, and, and ask questions. He asked um, Grave Digger a couple of questions to start the segment. So. I mean, he's kind of training already, to be honest with you. Oh, man. God Pretty- God help him. God help him. God save him. <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, sorry I won't see you Monday, but I know I'll be talking to you soon. All the best, brother. Yeah, for sure, man. Take care, Scott. You got it. That is Gus Cagio, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Bobby Neva is here. I see him. He's laughing. I don't even know why, but he's that just because it's Friday. He's smiling. He's happy. 
We're going to chat with Bobby for a little bit. Sean Fox coming up at 8.15. He works radio up there in North Louisiana. We'll talk about that other state called North Louisiana and uh, UL versus ULM. Number of other things. It's all coming your way on the Great Scott Show. And give me all you got Friday. Don't go anywhere. We're back in two minutes on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Sky Show on a Friday. Bobby Nova's favorite Beastie Boys song, Pass the Mic. Bobby, you, uh, you, you're like, you know, you're all nice and very, very cordial on the air. But if y'all want to see Bobby get fired up about something, next spring when you see him at Lamson Park, just ask him about like what music he thinks they should or shouldn't play out there, and he will, he will give you a piece of his mind. Well, I've, I've kind of gotten used to it, Scott. So. I've you know. seen you. I saw. I don't remember what it was years ago. You were. You were just. I mean, it was like someone shot your dog. You were so well, mad about some music Kim was playing. You're like, what, what is? What is this? I'm like, whoa, see, Kim, Bobby. I'm seeing you fired up. But what you didn't, you probably didn't know, is that Kim did. She would do that on purpose, just to mess with she you. She would play Florida Georgia Line. She knew how much I, I despise that. You're more so of she a, would play it on purpose. You, you're more of a purist for like country music, and that that's just some, you know. That sounds like classic country, nineties country. Is that sounds like you know d- nails on a chalkboard to you when she was messing <laughs> with you, uh, Bobby. We got you for a few minutes here on a Friday, man, because I know um, there's a there's a big golf event coming up that benefits UL softball. Why why are why are what do things like this do for a, a program? Well, it supplements the uh, the budget. You know, gives the girls an opportunity to get some things. Uh, you know, they might not maybe not get uh, otherwise, you know, and kind of helps with travel and equipment and things that, uh, of course, Glasgow may want that the, the budget doesn't cover. And so um, annually we do, uh, we do the golf tournament in October and it's been, you know, it's been, it's been good for us. And so uh, we're going to do it again this year on October 10th. Yeah. Monday, October 10th at the uh, wetlands golf course, it will benefit UL softball there are sponsorship opportunities, uh, four-person team scramble. If you want to do individual player, you can do that. But a way for you to donate and also have a lot of fun in the process rather than just, hey, here's a check, good luck. You get to participate, do something cool. And uh, and it's a big it, it's it's a big deal. I, I remember I, I haven't been to like a hole in one year. I got to, to be just – I went out there I think maybe during lunchtime and I was like, look at – this thing is a – this is like, I mean, you got whoever puts it on, and I know you're a big part of it. It's you could tell it's not your first rodeo, but it's a big thing, um, and and I, I think it's it's great, and I, I think anybody that wants to participate needs to needs to do so because not only are you helping, but you can have a lot of fun. We have an amazing group of volunteers, and you know, I, I can name them for. It would take an hour to name everybody who's who's involved in in the tournament, but. Uh, the volunteers is what makes it go, and you know I, I kind of organize it, but couldn't do it without those people. So where where can folks learn more about it? Because your your hardcores they already know about it, they know where to go. But for some people, they're not really sure. They just hear us talking about it. So direct them to the right place. You can go to RagingCajuns.com, go to the softball page, and the links, uh, the flyers there, 
click on the links button. Uh, also, uh, Facebook and Twitter, Raging Cajun Softball, uh, Facebook and Twitter, and the links uh, to the uh, the flyer are there also. You can also email me at uh, bnevaux1420 at gmail.com, or you can also email softball at louisiana.edu, and we'll be happy to uh, get back with you and get you uh, all the information you need and get you signed up. What uh, Anything else you want to add to it before I ask you something else? You know, we, we, we like you said, we got we got many different sponsorship opportunities. We've got title sponsors, team sponsors, individual golfers, tee box sponsors for one hundred and fifty dollars a yard sign on a tee box with the name of your company. And you know, we've got uh, you know food when you register. Oh, yeah. We've got food on the course. You're gonna eat good. We got food when you when the tournament ends. You're gonna eat good and uh, plenty of drinks all over the course and. Uh, it's 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 a nice yeah, event. Walker First Turn and Scott is sponsoring a, a hole in one on a, on the thirteenth hole. If you hit a hole in one, you win a really nice ATV. So uh, a lot of different things going on. Corinne Vonche, who is the shortstop on the two thousand fourteen uh, World Series team, she she does. Uh, you might have to help me uh, pronounce it. Chakurt. Ch- it's some boards. Charcuterie. Charcuterie board. Charcuterie board, yeah. And and she's going to come out and do it. Uh, That's the first time I've helped you with the pronunciation. <laughs> it's usually the opposite. I say something and Bobby's like, it's Cajun French, Scott. Come on. Where Charcuterie are you from? boards by Corinne. And she's going to come out and, and visit with some of the uh, the volunteers and awesome. some of the golfers' wives want to come over. She'll do an exhibition. And uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of different things going on. Coaches and players will be at the course all afternoon to visit with with the golfers and get an opportunity to meet the coaches and the players. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that's always something that the golfers look forward to. Um, You're a Yankees fan. Uh, A huge Yankees fan. Aaron Judge didn't didn't hit 61 last night. How about that camera work? (laughs) (laughs) That cameraman was like, here it is. Nope. Um, And and, and the, the, the... the play-by-play oh, guy, yeah. Adam Amin. I, mean, oh, I thought it was, I said, there it is. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tonight, you're working. Ascension Episco. I mean, are you, you're hoping he doesn't hit it tonight, right? Well, in one way, I'm hoping he doesn't hit it tonight. But uh, I'd like to get it behind him, you know. Why, why, get it over with. Is is this is this a, a, a glamour franchise? If somebody was doing this on the Marlins, is this being celebrated right now? Probably not quite as much, but I'm sure it would be celebrated. There's, it's, it's the right player on the right team, no doubt. Because he's not breaking the record. No, he's not. He's not, he's not hitting seventy four. Right, he's not breaking the record. He's not gonna. But he's breaking you know, the he's, he's breaking the American League record. There you go. Is what he's doing. There you go. That, that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, yeah, it's it's on Apple TV tonight too. Uh, so if it happens, you know some folks won't even see it. Right. Um, and then tomorrow I got a big old family reunion at, at Palmetto and Vermilion Parish, and but I'll be watching on my phone. Between Judge and uh, and Pujols, uh, home runs are you know the rage right now. And then before you know it, man, we're we're right around the corner. I mean, October is a week from tomorrow, and October is a great time for Major League Baseball. So. Yeah. I'm excited. Fortunately, the Yankees uh, survived uh, August. They, they, they had a little, they had a little, a little dip there, but it happens. Yeah, it happens to the best of Judge, them. Judge Judge carried them for 
six weeks or so. Should have paid that guy last offseason. Should have paid him. Should have paid him. I don't know. <laughs> that that, that a price of business went up a lot. Now you pay him or he walks. Oh, yeah. And um, he was getting a lot of walks last night, too, and everyone was booing. But, no, nah, it's fun. You got baseball happening, obviously, plenty of football. And, you know, a week from this uh, – a week from two weeks from Monday, you've got this awesome golf tournament to benefit uh, UL softball at the Wetlands Golf Course. You can go to uh, RageAcajuns.com, learn more there. You can follow the Rage Cajun softball team on social media, learn more there. Or you can email Bobby di- directly, B-N-E-V-E-A-U-X-1420 at gmail.com. Bobby, man, it's great to see you, brother. Um, glad you're doing well, and... Let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me come in. And uh, hope to see everybody out at the wetlands on Columbus Day, looking, October 10th. Looking forward to it. All right, great Scott Show. 8 o'clock hour comes your way next. Sean Fox at 8.15. We'll open up phone lines in the next segment. And, um, you know, that football game last night, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin speak. It was, uh, it was, it was on blast yesterday, but... For those that maybe weren't watching baseball, they watched that Thursday night game. We'll get into that. There were seven high school football games last night involving teams in and around the Acadian area. We'll give you a rundown of that and more. It's all coming your way next on The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Sean Fox coming up in 10 minutes. We'll see what the pulse is like up in northern Louisiana. UL versus ULM. Oh, Terry Batten up there talking about the name thing. We'll get into that. About the, the, the different country that is North Louisiana. But uh, we'll talk some football as well. No doubt. Football last night. I mean, obviously you have a huge slate of games this evening. Westgate at St. Martinville. You can hear that one right here with the Bandit. Turlings at Notre Dame on News Talk 96.5. Rustin at LCA on Classic Rock 105.1. Lots of games, though. Ascension Episcopal at Brobridge. Crowley at Cecilia. STM at Catholic High at Baton Rouge. Karen Crow at Salford, Como at Sam Houston, Vermilion Catholic at Erath, Southside at New Iberia, Abbeville at Beauchamp. Um, just, just tons of games. And as we do every single Friday, we update those scores throughout the night, right? So if you go to ESPN Lafayette on the app or you go to ESPNLafayette.com, you'll see it week four high school football schedule scores 
We update those scores all night. We got you. We also got a great contest you can sign up for. Today is the last day you can sign up for our tailgate giveaway. It's the last day. In fact, it ends uh, in less than two hours. You have until 10 a.m. this morning to sign up for the ultimate tailgate from Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. You go homecoming this week from tomorrow. And one lucky winner is going to get the ultimate tailgate. 50. You and 49 friends. You're going to get a prime tailgating spot over at Cajun Field. Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse, Oyster Bar, and Catering. They're going to give you, uh, they're going to set up a giant tent, tables, chairs, plenty of food and drinks, soft drinks and water. Prime tailgating spot, and then you get 50 tickets to the game. Sign up. What are you waiting for? Sign up. Make it happen. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. But a number of high school games last night. Let me get back into football for a minute. Acadiana just handled Lafayette high, no problem, 55-6. to North Vermilion, 35. Lauraville, 21. Jennerette shut out Centerville, 8-0. Hanson beat Highland Baptist, 35-0. St. John crushed West St. Mary, 41-0. Grand Lake beat Oakdale in OT, 26-0. Central Catholic beat Covenant Christian, 48-12. All the scores were updating them tonight. It's a good place to go every Friday if you want the updates. Uh, NFL last night, you had Browns-Steelers. Browns won at 29-17. They didn't blow the fourth quarter lead like they did against the Jets. And Nick Chubb is... I mean, he's awesome. The Browns have a good O-line. They have a great run game. And if they were winning under, you know, the old Browns way, I think people, you know, around the country would root for him. But when Deshaun Watson comes back, they're going to kind of be a villain for a lot of folks. It's like, well, the Browns, without it, with Jacoby Brissett, it's like, yeah, go, go, go. No, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb was fantastic. And then you have Kareem Hunt, but he's I mean that I mean he squats seven thousand pounds, it feels like. He's not a tall guy, and yet he just is so powerful. He just moves. His legs keep moving and moving and moving. Amari Cooper got a touchdown. And now Cleveland, they're two and one. Yeah, they should be three and oh, but they're two and one, and they get to play Atlanta next. And then they have the Chargers at home, and then they have the Patriots. I mean, they're they're going to win some games before Watson comes back in week, what, 13 when they play the Texans? ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Here's something else I want to do this morning. For those of you listening out there, I want to give away a gift card to Twin Peaks. I'm just in a given mood. $25 gift card to Twin Peaks. Stay tuned for that. ESPN Lafayette, good morning. Welcome into the show. Would you like the gift card? Uh, I think I already got received one. Well, you just got another one, dude. Oh, wow. I mean, you were the first caller, (laughs) even though you probably were calling in for another. I tell you what, he gets a gift card, and then the next caller, whoever they are, the first person on hold, I'll give it to him during the break. It's theirs. So you get one. Next caller, 
$25 gift card to Twin Peaks. Great for tailgating. Great for a place to watch the game. But also, you know, if you're out tailgating, they can cater it. Delicious food, menu, cold beer. It's great. Go check it out. In the meantime, what's going on, man? Happy Friday. Uh, uh, before I start, thank you, Twin Peaks. And Scott, once again, thank you. You got it. Um, Scott, man, what are, you, what are y'all doing, Scott? I, I, I assume that, you know, I know you ain't, you're not going to talk business with me, but Blaze and uh, that, that other cat, in That's his name? Blaze Nick. and Nick. Nick. Um, four to six, man. They, uh, this, you know, I got in trouble, you know, for, for voicing my opinion across the tracks, you know, on some, like, on a four to six show, you know. And, and I understand that, you know, maybe I went too far. Um, but I feel that Blaze and Nick. Blaze and Nick do a great job, and um, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't disagree with you. So Blaze and Nick can do something in the afternoon. I don't know. I, I, don't, dis- I don't disagree with you. I don't know either. Um, no, they, 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 you know, I got to hear some of uh, of the show yesterday when they were filling in for me. They'll be filling in again next Tuesday when I'm I'm doing uh, some homecoming judging. But uh, no, man, they're 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 talented. They're young. They they enjoy it and uh, they they carry good conversation. That's why I think that you know we, I know you had a show generation gap or something to that align. Um, the sports gap, baby. It's me and Jay Bird back in the day. Um, I think for the first time in my life, man, like I feel that there's a gap, like between, you know, I'm, I'm only 43, you know, uh, with 20 some years old, uh, with 20 year olds. It's like uh, it's not. I'm not coming at them. You know what I mean? Um, it's just different, man. You know. And speaking of that, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. I know you're going to speak on the legacy of Ryder Federer eventually, right? Uh, you know, I, I kind of already did, but sure. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, when he announced it. Now that's something that we can actually discuss, like it without without humor. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it is quite a discussion. But I don't know how many tennis heads listen. I mean, I love tennis, but I. I also love the Mets. I don't talk tennis and Mets every single day on the air because the audience would be like, Scott, I don't care about that. What are you doing? Yeah, I've, I've had people ask me, like, why don't you Why don't you do all this other more more national? I'm like, I do national sometimes, but you want to be local to an extent. You you know, otherwise you're just sounding like something you could hear anywhere. You know, give give, give people local well, stuff. I think, I think what I struggle with with some of the uh, – the younger generation of sports fans, like especially the NBA playoffs, like a team will go up 2-0, right? Oh, my God, it's over with. Oh, oh, oh. Like, well, hold on. Did, did you watch the game? Like, yeah, they might be down 2-0, but, you know, they, they kept in the game. Like, there were some key things in the game that went on. Like, I, I just ain't going to win the series. I don't even know that, to me, like, I don't even know that that mindset oh. is a generational thing. I'm not saying that, like, obviously, you know, perhaps younger sports fans are more guilty of it. But I think that's just the nature of the beast in the 24-7 sports media now. It is, I mean, heck, you know, there is there is panic in Saints land. It's two weeks into the season. Not for all, but for a lot. Um, it, it, every, I mean, it's like you and I joke sarcastically about the legacy games. What does this mean to this player's legacy after a single game? It's, it is the nature of everything. This is over. It's done with. Forget about it. Um, I mean, some of the, the, the garbage that I saw on social media last Hello. Saturday night during 
the UL game. Some of the garbage I saw week one when LSU was playing Florida State on it. I mean, that's that's not. I don't know that that's just a younger thing. I, I see it. I see it everywhere from people of all ages. Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, Christian McCaffrey. I heard he's, he was on the um, he was on the list, right? I'm sure he's going to play. Yeah, he was on the injury report. Now, he didn't practice Wednesday, but it was listed as rest. And then yesterday, he didn't practice, but they actually, um, you know, put put an injury on it, um, on the report. But yeah, I think he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, look, the Saints, on one hand, um, you know, they had 10 players on the injury report. But on the other, you know, they... They, they they were all limited, so everybody on the fifty three actually practiced, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I need to see Thomas. Game. I need to. I'm sorry. I need to see. I need to see Michael Thomas with a stat line of twelve catches, 145 yards, a touchdown. I need to see. You know, I'm not. I don't play fantasy, but I, I, I just need. I need. I just need something like that, just to reassure. You know, <clears throat> he's the go to target, or I, you know, I, or Landry. I, I switched that with Landry, you know. Um, I, I don't know, man. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, and what's going to happen is, man, well, the reason that people feel the way about Winston with the overreaction is because of the 30 picks, the 30 pick season. Like, so that that's going to always linger in their head, you know. Well, when he throws picks, yes. Uh, I, my bigger concerns about him are the six sacks, the the throw the, the ball, the, 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 yes. So I think not 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 hitting on the deep ball. Um, you know, just the indecision. And that was that was a concern of mine last year, but I got the blowback, oh look at the stats and look at the wins. And I'm like, there he left a lot of plays on the field. And, you know, in seven quarters this year he has left a lot of plays on the field. The um so my thing is this, if we're gonna do that with him, what who who played a complete game? Like who played eight quarters? Who who's like on the on if you well, uh, look, look, let's 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 let's, 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 let's 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 he's the quarterback. I mean, outside of the two minute offense in game one, he has not looked good in two games. Now it's just two games, and he does have four fractured vertebrae. That's all part of the discussion. Um, I'm not saying he needs to be benched right now, but I, I no, I'm not saying no, I'm not even saying that you're saying that. What I'm saying is. Marcus Davenport. How many quarters has he has? He I think played? he. I, I think he might have played better against New England than I first you know, initially thought, but we don't do that with other players. We do that with quarterbacks. New England. Not New England. Sorry, Tampa. Sorry, Brady was in my mind. Uh, sorry about that. Davenport? Yeah, yeah. After, after you yeah. know, I went back and, and, and watched um, the shorter version, uh, some of it on NFL Network, and he actually was 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 causing some pressure. Brady was just, he was just getting the yeah. ball out so fast. Yeah, I can say, see, Brady gets rid of the ball. It's like, the, 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 I, I was more concerned, um, I was just more concerned with the the lack of I don't know the the lack of pressure. Yeah, one more in the thing, yeah. One more thing, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, if, if Kamara play, I want I want to see Kamara with at least five plus receptions. Like like Jameis has to get comfortable to the play. Hey man, there's nothing wrong with throwing to a running back. Just just you get take what they give you. Just take what they give you. You know you have receivers who can run some nice precise routes. Uh, Alave, I think I, I like Alave route running. I saw some things. Um, like, just take what they give you, man. Like, I, I understand because Scott, think about it. He was hitting that deep. Everybody saw it was, was uh, week two. Man, he, he was throwing deep uh, last year to, uh, in week one. You know what I'm saying? Hitting players, man. So, 
Nah, man. It's yeah. You know, like I said, hopefully he has a great game, man. Hopefully he backs it up. But like you said, I'm just thinking about this game, man. I just it's just feelings. You know, you you got a 0 and 2 Carolina team. You just never know. It's almost like the reverse of 2017 in the sense. But I know I know the Panthers. I think were two and zero before the Saints came in there. And, and and absolutely yeah. demolished them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, w- I wouldn't mind if that happens again. That'd be nice. Yeah, but hopefully, uh, not, well, not well. Yeah, well, in this sense, same as five or five hundred. <laughs> I don't know, man. But look, once again, thank you, man. Yeah, and uh, we got we got your info uh, from your last one, so you can just come in anytime uh, between you know eight thirty and four thirty business days, and your prize will be up there. And whoever calls first during the break will also get a Twin Peaks gift card. All right, thank you. We can. In the meantime, UL versus ULM. We're talking about it next with somebody up in the Monroe area, Sean Fox. First time on the show. Looking forward to chatting with him. Since he gets to be in Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the great Scott show on a give me all you got Friday. Joining me now is Sean Fox, the sports director of Sports Talk 97.7 up in North Louisiana. And uh, he is joining us now. We'll talk a little UL versus ULM. We'll talk some Saints, among other things. Good morning, Sean. I appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? Scott, man, appreciate you uh, giving me a call. My, My only question is, you what took you so long man it's a it's a scheduling thing now i don't I have a, i don't have a good reason, on there to save time a lot but yeah we, we're usually on at the same time but no it's a long time coming man and and uh, it's certainly a fair question but uh, i got another one for you what what is your favorite I, beastie boys song of all time okay I, i'm gonna assume that this question either is one or two answers either sabotage or fight for your right to party it's a toss up, but I mean, shout out to the Molly Ringwalds. How'd I go with you got to fight for your right to party? All right. So he just goes with the the traditional. Yeah. No, th- those are, look, those are usually the two most uh, often, you know, reference ones. That's what from, I figure those from, are the typical answers. But Maybe intergalactic. Get, that's That's number three. We get a lot of intergalactic. Now, you know, when I have people on that listen to them a lot or like know the catalog, then I might get a so what you want or, uh, you know, uh, uh, a sure shot or, or pass the mic or something a little different. But for most folks, it's it's one of those three. So, you know, Sean, I got to be honest, man. Pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you're not, you're not special or anything. You're just like everybody else. Trust me, I get that at home, so thank you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Let's, uh, let's talk about this matchup tomorrow night. Uh, UL and ULM. Um, tell me this. Just, you know, we're down here in a different part of the mm-hmm. state, which everyone makes their jokes. It feels like two different worlds at times. But it does. I've, been, I've lived both of my life in half of both of the states, so I, 
I can't attest. I'm a Mandeville boy originally. Metairie, Mandeville, and now I've been up in North Louisiana for like 20 years. So, yes, I will attest once you get past Alexandria, it is different. Did, did you always have, like, the same accent, or did that just come over time being up way up in the north there? What's my accent? I don't know, man. It, it's like there's a little bit – I like. Is it a little twang? There, a little bit. Like, if you had told me that you lived in North Louisiana your whole life, I would have believed you. So, straight up, my family says that, too. But everybody here still thinks I got yad in me. So, it's somewhere in between, like, man. There you go. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, I literally <laughs> grew up first 19 years. And all my family still lives down there. Uh, went to Tech. Never left. I've been stuck up here since. So, yeah, I've been – I guess I've lived in North Louisiana now longer than I have South there you go. Literally all the rest of my family lives down there still. So well, you just, I'm a proud South Louisiana boy. You just get to claim the parts of each that you like best, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it just so happens Lafayette is one of them. So. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about um, the Warhawks for a minute. What is – we're down here. We, I know that the program has struggled, like, financially, and, um, you know, they've, they've had their issues. You know, Terry Bowden, it's, it's, it's a place where – you know, a coach like him goes for, you know, another go at it. But, like, what is the interest level in the area? What's the support like currently for specifically ULM football? Maybe not the entire athletic department, but as it pertains yeah. to the football team. I will say it's better, Scott. And, and they fight the battle that really everybody else in the state does, except for really two cities. Uh, I will say Ruston and Lafayette. Both, do you have pockets of LSU fans? Of course you do. You're going to find them all over the state of Louisiana. But still, it feels like, and you could attest to Lafayette better than me, it's kind of for some people like taboo to admit you're an LSU fan uh, in Lafayette or you have a despise for them. Same thing happens in Ruston. Well, in Monroe, it is still an LSU hate. I mean, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize this, and I can, I can attest to this because my grandmother was actually an LSU cheerleader who – after LSU, then Monroe, this girl, though. Well, this was this was the second largest LSU alumni base in the state for a very long time outside of Baton Rouge. So it, it is definitely that is where most of the interest is. And I, I could tell you, Scott, without a doubt, I've done my radio show will be 20 years next year. I started in college. We could talk for and I have a three hour show. We could talk all day, every day. Not ever mentioned in Tech, Grambling, ULM. I could just talk LSU, the SEC, the Saints, and the NFL, and my text line and hotline will blow up to three hours. Sure. Now, we don't do that because we feel like it's good to talk about the high schools and these local universities. And I know I'm not trying to avoid your answer. I will say all that, there seems to be. And anytime you get a new coach, yes, there is kind of a reinvigoration. There is more interest. Terry Bowden, one of the things he has done – is they were much improved last year. I mean, you couldn't get any worse than what they were in 2020 where they never even led for a second of a game. But he has really gone out and sold the program to the, uh, to the community. Now, do I expect them to be 20,000-plus in the stadium on Saturday night? I don't. But I still think it'll be one of the best crowds they have all year. And the more you win, you know this, the more people are going to be interested in it. I, I um, You know, as far as, like, Lafayette goes, look, there are plenty of LSU fans here, plenty of alums, plenty of people that aren't alums. Um, there are, there are a, a lot, not all, there are a lot of Cajun fans that yes, they don't like that or they don't like the allegiance or maybe a split allegiance. As you said, maybe it's like that in tech, not really like that in Monroe, right? Like if anyone's an LSU fan, no one's going to give them any, 
grief no about no it. not 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 at all i mean at, at all in ruston they're gonna ask you like why are you wearing that lsu shirt here in yeah. monroe it's not not like that at all uh so uh, sean fox our guest he has been lafayette best ticketed sports um you mentioned you mentioned terry bowden um i saw i don't remember where it was from i wish i did it wasn't it wasn't from you or your show but somebody some something was circulating of him doing the louisiana lafayette thing I know it's been a while. I know it's always a thing, but like, where where are ULM fans with the name thing? Does it still bother a lot of them? Oh, some of them oh, not care. Oh, 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 brother! Here's the thing: ULM and Tech people people cannot agree on anything. The one thing they can agree on is their distinctions and and I will tell you, Scott, I'll be completely transparent. I'm not wild about it. Um, I will not call, and I know this is going to catch some heat. I will not call them Louisiana. I will not do it. However, I will tell you that I had some people I've had guests on. Uh, JT Crabtree came yesterday from South Alabama. You know, it's, it's an interesting schedule quirk for South Alabama where they play ULM or Tech, uh, ULL, or the Cajuns. See, it's like I can't do it. Uh, and ULM all in a row. Well, he called them Louisiana. Corey Diaz, who covers you guys, he's a great friend. He came on call to Louisiana, and I get in my text line later like, "Fox, correct him. Say you're say it's not Louisiana." I was like, "Guys, I'm not going to do that." Like, I, one, it's rude to do to your guests, but two, honestly, kudos to him. Now, I always thought the best brand was Raging Cajun. I think that's the most unique unique nickname in all of college sports. I don't know why there was the continued, but obviously there was a reason for Louisiana. But I said, "Listen, if, if the national media are going to call him that." And other people are going to call them that. I'm not going to correct them on that. I may not do it, but more power to them. You know, it, it's uh, it, there's a lot of history there. Some people know it, some don't. That involves state legislature and oh, LSU yeah. blocking oh, yeah. it, and it, it's certainly a passionate thing. But it's, you know, I mean, whether you agree or not, I think I, on on if you like it or not, I think you know you got to agree. It's it's starting to work. It has worked. I mean, they've put in the time. Worked. And you see it on ESPN, you see it on the tickers, and you see it. I agree. You know, so, um, but that's that's always just that little, just that little side story hanging out there among fan bases, and they get into it. And I, I refrain from all that. Like I'll, you know, if someone comes on, I, I might mention UL, whatever. They say something different, but it's never any kind of like, I, it's, it's not some like. Oh, I can't have this guest on because they said you will. It's never like that, right? Um, right. But it's uh, it's it's always just I think for the fan base is something that I don't know. I feel like they'll, you know, uh, some don't want to admit certain you know sides to it, and they'll just always fight about it. They'll always argue about it. Well, like I said, it's one thing that Tech and ULM fans can agree on. They cannot stand that they call it University of Louisiana. Like I said. Well, uh, certainly like I'm, I'm over, like I'm look, I, like you said, everybody else is doing it. They've won. I said, look guys, they won. I said this yesterday. I said, guys, they won the war. Right. So if, if a guest comes on and they want to call them Louisiana, more power to, I think I went on your show once and did that. Um, and I'm sure, you know, people got mad. Oh, but... I call, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing. Why aren't you doing it? I said, it's rude. And look, it's not that, honestly, it's not that big a deal. Uh, so the Louisiana raging Cajuns, uh, and the ULM Warhawks. So they're, they're playing. They're playing tomorrow night. Uh, Cajuns had 15 straight wins. Uh, it came to an end last week and a, you know, to put it blunt, mm-hmm. uh, a, a very poor performance offensively. Um, 
the Warhawks, you know, you got got a couple of wins under your belt, feeling some confidence. What is your take on this game objectively as far as how they match up and, and what you anticipate on the field? So uh, it, it's really kind of hard to gauge ULM because they played Texas and Alabama two or three games, and the way you think Texas and Alabama would go against ULM, let's be honest, this wasn't 2007 Alabama that the Warhawks were playing in Nick Saban's first year, and Nichols State. I will say it may not sound like a lot, but I thought the fact that – and I know Nichols State and Coach Rebo's down a little bit this year, but the fact that ULM was able to finally blow out anybody and get a little distance and not have Nichols State hang around, I thought that was a sign of progression. Um, well, I got a – regardless of the name, I've got a ton of respect for what's been built in Lafayette, and, and I would say – um, probably over the last 10 to 15 years, there was a pretty good debate on, or especially when Skip Holtz was there, and maybe going back to, to Sonny Dykes, um, who was the number two school? Was it, was it the Cajuns? Was it Louisiana Tech? And I think for a while you could kind of go back and forth. But I think overall you got to give it to, to what Billy Napier oh, did. Oh, yeah. Last few years uh, has very, definitely been yeah, that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just saying over the last few years, I, I mean – you know, you, it's not even a debate. You, you had the most debate. wins right. in the country outside of you know Bama over a, a four-year span. It's you know, uh, and it, it, but it's a new regime, right? You have some new players. Yeah. Uh, promote it's it, this matchup. I don't know, man. I I don't really. I have trouble gauging ULM, and that's one of the reasons because I of the their, you on. Yeah. Um, but but I'm also I, having trouble kind of gauging this Cajuns team a little bit because they've had four great quarters of offense this year and they've had eight really bad quarters of offense it's like it's not like you know there hasn't been signs of okay they can make this work because they have it hadn't just been all defense special teams you know rough offense they've had these pockets where man they're just clicking and everything's working you know against eastern michigan it was a rough first half you know five possessions five punts second half Seven possessions, seven touchdowns. I mean, they couldn't be stopped. So you've seen it. But last Saturday, you know, it was concerning. And I think Cajun fans are are really anxious to see how they come out this Saturday night in Monroe. Well, I agree with all your points, by the way, Scott. And I do think that this is a game that's usually played, what, the end of the year, last game, second to last game of the season. That's when the, quote, rivalry games usually take place. But they moved it to the first month of the season. And I think when you're going through – a coaching change, and I still think it's fair that the Cajuns are going through, I guess, kind of an identity identity crisis, saying, what are we right now? They're still trying to find themselves. I thought this – look, even when ULM is bad, there's been games where you don't expect them to give a, give ULL a, a game, and they have. Um, I think the gap is not that big right now. I'm still going to go Cajuns uh, because you have to prove it to me. You, you know, Go and do it, right? I do think I'm not going to be surprised this time if ULM pulls right now. I don't think there's as big as a gap as there was. And, again, I think that has to do with the new coaching change and everybody's still trying to find themselves. I have to pick a, a, a winner right now. I go Cajuns until ULM proves it on the field. Sean Fox, sports director of Sports Talk 97.7, your home for sports in North Louisiana. He also is host of the Born in the Boot podcast. Born in South Louisiana and um, has been in northern Louisiana a little bit longer, but uh, he likes to claim both whenever it, it suits him. And I don't, I I don't blame boot. him for that. I love the boot. 
Uh, you just broke up there, but I think he was saying. Oh, I said uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the whole. St- like, yes, my grandpa used to call Alexandria the Boudin line, but right. I, I love the I love the entire state. Right. I, I was I was told it was Ville Platte, Right. You know, everything above that was a little different. But um, M- minus minus Shreveport. You broke up again. What was that on Shreveport? I said it minus minus Shreveport. I don't have a huge affinity for Shreveport because. They want to be East Texas in the worst way. I mean, who? And they give everybody in North Louisiana a bad name thinking we're all Cowboys fans, which I can tell you is a lie. Like, who does rep Shreveport hard? Like, I, I know some folks from Shreveport. Nothing against them, right? Oh, I've but got a lot of great friends from them. Do you know anybody that's like, man, the best in the world. You just, re- like, just rep Shreveport really hard. I don't know anyone like that. No, they call it rep before a reason. All right, you mentioned the Saints, man, before I let you get out of here, Sean. All right, level, uh, let's say 10 is like just freaking out, panic, hit the panic button. One is like, it's all good, man. It's all good. We're fine. Where is your level of concern right now for the Saints? Seven. Seven. Um, the, the defense looked what we thought it would look like versus Tampa Bay. Now, granted, here's the thing. 60% of the NFL is one and one. So it's not like they're out of the race, and I thought they absolutely should have won that game against Tampa. I am concerned about Jameis' injury, and I'm just concerned as a whole on we, – we thought this offense was – look, it'd be, it'd be naive to think that they'd be putting up what Breeze and them could do, but we thought it might be able to come close, and just through two games – whether it's injuries or not playing together in the preseason, guys missing time. Obviously, you didn't have your biggest weapon in Kamara playing last week. This offense, especially the offensive line, this was hasn't looked good. This offense just has not gelled. And, I, and I'm that jaded Saints fan, Scott, that it scares the hell out of me that Carolina has lost nine in a row. And it's like I've seen this song and dance before where they beat the Saints, then that rule loses the next two and gets fired, but he has that one win over. I, I Yeah, you obviously are from Bendeville and have been a Saints fan your whole life because that is a very rational take for anyone that's followed this franchise. I On on paper, the Panthers have one of the worst teams in the NFL. They might have the worst on team. Paper. I mean, honestly. And so if you don't get right this week, if you're the Saints, now there's some real level of concern. And I, I think, look, you're right in terms of the defense. Um, well, they didn't. Okay, they haven't got enough pass rush. I, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give everyone that. But last week it made sense. Brady was getting rid of the ball in like you know 1.3 seconds. I mean, and they was, did everything they could to still win that yeah, game. I yeah. don't put that on the defense. Oh at all. sure. I mean it's three to three with nine minutes left, and then you know you you have a fourth and one, too many men on the dang field for a. a kick and then some bad calls and then one thing after another and some mistakes obviously by the Saints it all kind of snowballed but no I, I I'm with you I think the defense is okay um but man the offense if they don't if they don't get into any kind of rhythm out like if they if they have another rough outing but they win and they only look good in the hurry up I'm not gonna feel better like no, I, I, I need to see the offense in a flow, in a rhythm within the, 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 the confines of a, quote, normal game, right? Not just the two-minute whenever you need to do something and, you know, Atlanta decides you're just not going to blitz all this stuff. Quarter, yeah, take out that fourth quarter for Atlanta through seven quarters. This offense is not. Oh, it's been bad. And and on paper, you have so many more weapons than you did a year ago. So you need that. You should be better. And, uh, well, Jameis' injury. Well, okay, but he's 
out there. I mean, he's playing. So if you're going to play hurt, I mean, I think I think criticism's warrant it. And I think last week, you know, a lot of people, it was easy to say the coaches can't let him do that. At that point, they like you. You're, you're the doctors are telling you he can go. It's just the pain thing. The player is going to play. He's going to play. He's not if he can Especially play that game. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to miss it. He lost his job to Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was suspended for three games. He worked hard to get a starting job back, and he wasn't going to. He wasn't going to sit it out. And you could say, well, the coaches need to. They haven't seen him yet. And then it was three three all the way into the fourth quarter. So this week, I think is either a get right game or we got to make some serious changes type of game, depending on how it unfolds Sunday. Could not agree more. And I look, I, I have spent a lot of time and it got heated. I mean, even with my, with my own family about Jameis or like, why do you keep dying on the Jameis Hill? He's uh, Jameis Winston Hill. He's terrible. I'm like, guys, this is my family. I'm with you. He sucked. Now I would also say he wasn't the reason they lost him. I would say the best team. Ingram fumbled the football on the 10-yard line. Now, did it get much better with Winston? No, but I thought that changed the game. But he is 8-3 and now after that loss. That was the first time we've seen the, quote, bad Jameis in 11 starts with the Saints. So am I concerned? Absolutely I'm concerned. But let's give the guy a bit of credit because that's the first time we saw what we feared in 11 starts. There's this weird thing, Sean, with Jameis. They're like these – I – it's hard to find objectivity with Jameis because there's some Jameis stands out there that I'm almost oh, like crazy. Flabber- I'm I'm like flabbergasted by like guys. I mean, I'm not. You're acting like he's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like I think what, I know who you're talking about. What is he? Well, I'm not just talking about Jameis 101, but there are a lot that, of he's the most obvious. Yes, there, there are a lot of fans out there that are willing to just like anything. It's never on Jameis. I'm like, come on, let's let's be real here. I mean, he's been. You know, um, a middle of the pack quarterback. You know, not so much your typical middle of the pack, where they're just kind of a game manager. Middle of the pack in that it averages out that way, from like really good to really bad. But well, Scott, let me cut you that's off. That's what he's because this, this is the conversation I have. When you defend Jameis, it almost becomes like you think he's great, right? I don't think he's. I don't think he's great, right? I don't think you think he's great, but do I think he has the potential to be a top sixteen quarterback and the Saints be successful? Yeah, yeah, I do. Right. Right. Uh, you just you just nailed it. And yet when you have that take, it's almost you're going to get it from both sides. So you end up defending him to people that think he's the worst. And then you end up criticizing him to the people that think he's the best. And maybe it's just being on Twitter too much or being in sports radio. But like and that's that might be a lot of it. But, you know, it's son, you mentioned your family, even people that don't even really follow sports on an everyday regular basis they know you work in sports so they ask you about the saints they ask you about Jameis winston the opinions of him are so overwhelmingly extreme from one side to the other and i'm like what 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 are we what are we doing guys let's just look at this rationally but at the same time we work in a business where uh you know our p1s are are not supposed to be rational so (laughs) what are we even talking about rational thoughts. It's all about like, guys, we don't always have to have a hot take. It's just like, Hey, here's the research. Here's what we've seen. And right now he's probably somewhere in the middle. He's not as good as the stands think he is. He's not as bad as the haters are. This is who he is up to this point. Sean Fox has been our guest sports director of sports talk 97, seven up in North Louisiana. You can follow him on Twitter at Fox Four sports talk. It's the number four in there. So F O X, the number four, Sports talk. That's his handle. 
Sean, man, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but thanks for uh, for making it happen. And um, if you ever come back down oh. to you know the 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 real part of the state, we'll uh, we'll be happy to hey, you know hang out. I will I will say this. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's it's long overdue, and for your audience, I'll do it one time and one time only. Best of luck to you all in the future. <laughs> all right, Sean, That's I it. appreciate it, one man. Time. All right, hey, I guess they'll take it. They'll take it. Yep. Appreciate it, man. All the best. Have a great weekend. You got it, buddy. See you, buddy. Bye. Good stuff from Sean Fox. Appreciate that. All right. Picks with the spread for the teams we talk about. UL, LSU, Saints. Money line and spread. We'll tell you next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Hugh Al. We're right back after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. names in sports are talking to you every day on the rich eisen show with me rich eisen i know every weekday from noon to three right here on espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app you my friend i'm glad i did this test on you the friendship test what you got the best seat in the house espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app well, welcome back into the great scott show espn lafayette the best ticket in sports big thank you to gus Kattengale, to bobby Nova, to sean fox to all of you for listening to the winners of our twin peaks gift cards Saints, minus three on the road at Carolina. They win, they cover. LSU, minus 31 and a half at home against New Mexico. They win, they don't cover. Cajuns, minus nine at ULM. They win, they don't cover. Those are my picks for those three games this weekend. Boy, Mike Tomlin. Steelers lose is... is, is Mr. Trubisky still your guy? Have you thought about changing him? Do you think you might change him? He said definitively no. Mitch wasn't all that bad. Pittsburgh's just they're a little outmatched. They're missing, missing, they're missing Watt a lot. I mean, JT Watt's a, a big difference maker. The most not surprising, but still staggering stat that I learned last night between the Browns and the Steelers is that since 1969, the Cleveland Browns have had 21 head coaches. That doesn't include interim. That's just head coaches. The Steelers have had three. So good for the Browns for beating the the, the Steelers. 
but 21 head coaches. By the way, Kevin Stefanski is the first Browns coach to beat the Steelers three times since the franchise came back in 1999 as an expansion team. Yeah. There it is. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show on this Friday. The Dan Patrick Show is coming up next. I will talk to you guys Monday morning. We're going to have a fun football weekend. Coach Michael Desimo will be on with me Monday morning. We'll talk Saints, Panthers, obviously, everything else that unfolds the next couple of days. We'll keep an eye on what's happening in the world of Major League Baseball, high school football, the works, all of it. I'll talk to you guys Monday. Can't wait. Give me all you got. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Operator. It ain't what you say, it's what you mean.